Hello, and welcome to another episode of Scions of the Southland. As always, my name is Akshay Ishwaran, and joining me from beautiful ACC Championshipville, Atlanta, Georgia, is none other than Mr. Jake Grant. How are you doing today, sir, you fellow ACC champion? I'm uh, feeling a little sunburnt today, to be completely honest. Sunburnt? Why, yeah, why I go outside? That was baseball was a fun time. Honestly, this could sound bad. This is a sports podcast. I'm a sports guy. I was just there for the Hawaiian shirt, and I was sitting in the stands doing MATLAB. So, did you get the Hawaiian shirt? Oh, it's gorgeous. They they they. Uh, if you let me use a bad pun, knocked it out of the park with this Ooh. one. I mean, <laughs> I mean to be fair, the uh, <clears throat> the visiting team knocked a lot of things out of the park today in that game are we gonna go straight into the depression or are we gonna hit no, the fun no, stuff? no 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 we're gonna hold that off we got I, i'm you know we, i have good stuff then the all the bad stuff and then good stuff at the end i have this all planned out you know me all right all right let's let's start with good stuff then because that that seems more fun all right let's put our usual 30 minutes on the clock and get started here we go let's start with track ncaa indoor championships jake what do you have for me um let's pull up the old uh results but at track we had a bunch of second team showings uh in the all-american standings no real team prize we only had four athletes there so that wasn't really uh or three no we did have four because we had um we had Cameron O'Neill uh, doing the jumps as well. But um, four athletes, Nicole Feagans, uh, Olivia Moore, Andrew Kent, all got second team All-American. Uh, Feagans and Kent in distance running. Olivia Moore in the pole vault. So no uh, no trophies, but I think the more fun running stuff, at least for our expectations and our uh, our projections, uh, is tomorrow with uh, Cross Country's uh, long-awaited, I guess, appearance in the uh, national championship. Indeed. And correct me if I'm wrong on this. I think that's the whole team is gone to, yes. right? Okay. It's it's weird cross country. They just send a, send a group kind of like a, a team championship kind of thing. Uh, whereas track and field resembles something a lot more like swimming and diving. Oh, why does the NCAA make everything so convoluted? It's like they make money off of the bureaucracy or something. Oh, uh, just tell that to the Michigan State UCLA first four matches. Oh, <laughs> hey, the uh, the chair of the selection committee admitted to that being a uh, TV TV matchup. Yeah, well, you know that's that's the world we live in in sports where net doesn't matter. The numbers are are all lies, and and uh, go Jackets. Oh boy, we'll, we'll get there. We will get there. All right, let's talk about. Uh, swimming next up, they were at, or I guess the divers were at zones this past weekend and the and the week before it. Yes, they were. Um, the uh, it, it was like a Sunday bleed to Tuesday kind of thing, and um, weird funny. scheduling, weird weird scheduling. Well, I have this on good um, on good info that they actually do. Uh, stay at the same hotels in Greensboro, do hit the same restaurants. Like they have this down to a science, which definitely makes sense. Cause if you're on this coaching staff, um, in terms of the last, 
Mm. How many weeks? I, I think it's like four weeks, three of the weeks we've had swimmers or divers or both in um, in Greensboro at the GAC. And then for the women's championship and the men's championship, they'll just be back there next week and the week after that. What's the point of having so many of them? It doesn't even make sense at a certain point. Just send them all at the same time. Well, I mean, you got to do the ACC's uh, separate. The, the men's and women's are are different, just so different facilities can host each. But ostensibly this year, just because of, I guess, sheer determination and willpower, uh, the Greensboro Aquatics uh, Center wound up with, gosh, I guess, Everything. five weeks of ACC and NCAA action. Uh, that is what you call some uh, tobacco road politicking right there. Yeah. The um, the diving at, that was actually done was pretty solid. Um, uh, Ruben Lechuga uh, qualified in all three events, as did Cameron Hidalgo, Georgia Tech's record holder in the one meter, three meter, and platform, as well as uh, freshman Anna Brad Bradescu. I hope that's how you say that. Uh, securing a spot in the platform. Uh, this is definitely the best showing. Uh, that we've ever had from our divers at uh, Zones. We've never sent three divers in the same year to Nationals. So that's pretty great. And, uh, you know, qualifying for three events is is no slouch. And that adds to, I mean, you had a ton of, we talked last week about two or three Georgia Tech divers, or not divers, swimmers, headed to to the women's championships uh, that are what, this week? And then you have a ton of men uh, swimmers headed to NCAAs as well in the coming weeks. So, yeah, I, mean, went, I was going to say that went final this week too. And uh, we had four men's individuals, uh, uh, obviously Ruben Lechuga in the three diving events, and then all five relays, um, which is exceptional. Um, relays are where you rack up points. Not saying that we're going to be top eight in all five, but one or two of them, Georgia Tech is a pretty darn sh- uh, good shot to make uh, – Maybe not a podium, but definitely an A final in a relay, and that is that is where you want to be uh, in those relays. Absolutely. Well, let's let's keep the gravy train rolling. Let's talk about tennis. First up, the women. Uh, they won another match over Duke, number six Duke. That is, uh, but they did fall to number one UNC earlier today. What are your thoughts, the temperature on this program right now? Um, honestly, a one-in-one weekend against two top 10 teams, we'll take it. Um, the Duke matchup was, I'd say, even more convincing than the last time we played them, um, netting five points rather than four the previous time. Uh, Duke, I don't believe they've lost since the last time we've played, but I might be wrong there. I can't remember. Um, that is not <laughs> – that, that's some – gripping analysis right there but um we incredible got incredible preparation for this oh podcast. yeah definitely wasn't uh just yelling at my tv about a bracket um but uh, we'll get there um kenya jones and vicky flores uh are now a top five doubles team uh they rolled seven six on court one uh roster and cohen looked good too on court two and then going down the singles list you had uh, kenya jones vicky flores uh, Carol Lee and Mahak Jane all net wins. Uh, Carol Lee's and Mahak Jane's were particularly excellent because they both defeated ranked players on courts five and six. Um, every single one of Duke's uh, singles players is ranked. Uh, so definitely 
definitely good to get uh, wins there. Uh, and uh, we didn't see uh, Gia Cohen, who is our third-ranked player, uh, in action in singles. But she was back for um, doubles both, uh, both days, and I believe she played singles today as well. Uh, but the only point that we scored today was Kenya Jones on court one. So tough, but, I mean, UNC is the number one program for a reason. Yeah, let's let's move over to the men's program because they also had a similarly weird week. They lost to UVA, who, if I remember correctly, is ranked pretty highly. I think. Yes, top um, 10. Great, top 10. top 10. I knew that somewhere in my brain. Uh, yeah. That was a 5-2, to two, I believe. And then yep. they swept VT on the back end of a Commonwealth Cup special. So where are we at with this team? Um, honestly, they lost the one that they probably should have lost and they won the one that honestly, they were a little bit outmatched with incredibly gripping analysis, just incredibly detailed. They win on the weekend. I don't know. Getting, getting two points, uh, from top competition, uh, is pretty solid. We didn't win doubles, but Marcus McDaniel defeated a top 30 player, uh, in, uh, three sets on court one, Pavel Shelcher, uh, won as well. Uh, these are, you know, it's it'd be nice to see maybe an Andres Martin uh, pull out his court on, or sorry, pull out his point on court two. He was uh, ranked higher than his opponent, um, but the others can't really complain. Uh, on four, Keshav Chopra had a chance to get in a point, and maybe we're talking about a uh, a big upset there. But I mean, a lot of these third sets uh, or, or deep tie breaks wound up being, well, at least on court one, it was 1-0. It was a tie break just to, you know, play out the match because it was tied 2-2 kind of dealio uh, mm-hmm. when play stopped. So. Yeah, I I was looking at the scores earlier today as I was putting together the document and doing some updates on, on Twitter. And today's match went very well. I know you said that they, sh- like they, w- they won the match they should have won, but... If you look across the board at some of these scores, like they were, I mean, they were pretty dominant today. Yeah. 7-0 is never anything to turn your nose up at. And to win the doubles point, that's something that we've uh, kind of been, uh, I guess, struggling a little bit on the men's and women's side of the court. Um, But to uh, take it on courts two and three, I think that says a lot about how our depth is doing. And that is a good sign. So. Okay, keeping it rolling. Volleyball started their spring season. I want to say we talked about one of their first series last weekend. Honestly, time all flows together at this point, so I don't really remember who they played. But they did play Pitt uh, midweek, or I guess on Monday of this past week. Uh, and then they also played Boston College later in the week. There was supposed to be another match Today versus UNC and a little bit of a pod thing going on, uh, but that was postponed because of uh, COVID issues at UNC. So they split the week. They gave Pitt a pretty good fight, but we know how Pitt is as a program. Uh, Pitt was able to get that sweep, but they responded in the next get, uh, in the next match by sweeping a uh, middling Boston College team. So. What can we take away here? 
Yeah, so, uh, looking at our draw before the season, uh, we got a, a, a relatively tough one uh, anchored by having to go play Pitt on the road on a Monday uh, while we are still, you know, getting back into the grind of the season um, and, and playing back-to-back days is always tough. So not going to explain that one away. It would have been nice to beat them for the first time since they joined the conference. Uh, obviously, conference Titan. You, you want to get those wins. Um, there was... Uh, a very aggressive use of challenge in, in the Monday match against Pitt. Uh, coach was making sure that calls went her way, and I respect her for that. Um, no complaints with any of the times they were used, but it was just definitely interesting to see uh, being on number three uh, very early in the second set uh, in the possibility that a set might have gone to, you know, four or five sets and, and needing needing some challenges late. But, um, yeah, in, in terms of play, Maddie McKissick, setter of the year, uh, did not dress uh, either game last weekend. I believe she didn't dress Friday. Um, not really sure what's up there. Obviously, still got uh, a boot on a leg. Don't remember yeah. which leg, but we're we're still watching that. Um, her replacement was, I mean, pretty decent for replacing yeah. a setter of the year in both games, even despite the loss. Yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, Isabel D'Amico has stepped up nicely um, again. Tough, tough loss. Tough not to have her, but um, can't really complain. Georgia Tech has uh, traditionally played a pretty short bench um, since the Bergman, Brambia, Dowd, um, McKissick, Kayser, Tippett. You know, the, the core has solidified, so there hasn't been a lot of subs. And it's definitely been interesting having to see more from uh, uh, Patterson as well as um, D'Amico. Uh, they're they're both freshmen. Uh, Aaron Moss in there as well. But honestly, would have been nice to see UNC. Um, we we match up pretty well against them. Um, not sure when that game will get played, but uh, two and one is two and one's all right. This is, I mean, I didn't see a basketball championship coming this year, but I would have circled volleyball as our most likely um, uh, title in any sport now that golf is kind of on a, a lull after their couple of years of domination. But, uh, you know, we're still in the mix for that too. So not bad. Yeah. I think when I looked at the standings a couple of days ago, right after the BC win, we should still be tied for first, uh, pending other results that have happened in the interim. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, they're still in the mix, like you said, so nothing, nothing too shabby. Yeah. Um, again, it, it would be nice to pick up those wins against Pitt. And uh, one of the big things that hurt us in 2019 was a fat home loss to Boston College. And we did not do that this year. So that is pretty great. Indeed. Let's move on to, I guess, the or the start of our downslope towards, towards the negative stuff. Um, softball. Softball split their series this weekend versus Pitt. But boy, howdy. Did, were they looking like they were going to win it for a moment there? And I'm saying this depressedly because I watched all of a complete meltdown on Saturday, uh, and it was terrible. Please tell me more uh, about, I guess, your thoughts here before I ramble on further. Uh, given that you invested the direct watching of all of this, I will try to stay out of your way a little bit. But um, – the bats, positive, more active. Uh, other than that, I don't have a lot of uh, 
nice things to say. Pitt is a team that you need to take the series from to beat four times in four games. This is this is not the benchmark for this or any program in the conference. Yeah, I think our consistent theme throughout the almost the we're almost at the midpoint of the season, I think. But but the consistent theme that we've been hammering away at is this program has not performed up to the benchmark that they have set for themselves. Sort of the, the level of success that they pride themselves on um, and the level of effectiveness that they pride themselves on. And this kind of was, I feel like it was an example of that. Uh, I mean, we, when we talk about Pitt, Pitt is, I, I mean, like I, I hesitate to say that they're not a great softball team because obviously you see the result that came in today or, or this weekend, but the fact remains that Pitt is still like in that lower tier of, of the muck that is the ACC in terms of softball. Um, and like you said, these are games that you have to win. And you cannot like you cannot just give up eight runs in the top of the seventh when you're leading eight one and then lose. Like we'll talk about this again with, with the other bat and ball sport because that happened there too this weekend. But it, it's it's not great. I know some of these things even out over time and they've been getting unlucky with some defensive errors, some batted balls in play, et cetera, et cetera. But it, really it's just the same kind of stuff that we've been hammering out, hammering about the entire season so far. It's, well, they, it's, they imploded twice against in NC state. Uh, they couldn't keep it together. A couple games against FSU Clemson. And yes, if you win those games, you're looking at at least closer to 500. But man, the, there just has not been a solid lockdown performance like we saw that first weekend since, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. I mean, I mean, I guess I know, like, I can watch these games and tell you what it is. It's, I think the pitching needs a lot of work. They've been doing this sort of pitching by committee thing every game where they toss in Nelliman, Ray, Bruce, McPherson, uh, and uh, a pinholster in some sort of combination, some sort of, it's not really a rotation. It's just really some sort of ordering. Uh, but the starter rarely lasts, you know, more than an inning uh, or, or two. I, I think that number has slowly been coming up, which is good to see, but they, they still, they have, they usually have a rash of leadoff walks and, and, you know, bloop singles and I don't know it, it's just that it's it is kind of not fun to watch softball like I really like watching this program in person uh but I will say that this season has not been fun so far to watch on tv yeah I, I would agree with the sentiment um I don't not I don't want to write him off but there's there's not a lot of like they need to start winning in bulk if they want to have tournament or season saving expectations. And I think to their credit, the, the, like the hits came back this weekend. Uh, They they were hitting at a pretty good clip. Um, Lots of homers, lots of like, lots of extra base hits. It's just the, the defense has got to be there. Yeah, and, and my question is, are they hitting because it's Pitt, or are they hitting because they're hitting? Uh, remains to be seen. 
I, I think it, I think there is some credit to be given um, to like there, there's some merit to saying that it's they're hitting because they're hitting because I think versus NC State we also saw that they were getting on base they were just getting super unlucky with uh, flyouts. There's um, something that I think we need to double back on before we kind of close the book on a dour note, and that is the unanimous consensus of softball Twitter has been that the officiating has been questionable at the oh, very, yeah. very, very nicest. Um, and there was there was a couple moments in the implosion um, against Pitt where clear ball straight down the middle was not called a strike. A bang, bang, play at first, which wasn't quite so bang, bang, not called an out. Like that is, you, it, it, it's, it's not quite the same as, or it doesn't feel quite the same as, wow, the refs are actively against us. Like it sometimes feels like in basketball, <coughs> Duke game. Um, but if you have officiating crews who are not um, up to the usual snuff, that makes, even when you do everything right, it makes it a lot harder to win. Yeah. At least, uh, at least it's happening to everyone. That's all I got there. Yeah. Uh, that's, okay. my, that's my one caveat for everything we just said. Fair enough. Uh, let's move on to the more frustrating uh, bat and ball sport, who also played Pitt this weekend. Baseball uh, lost their first home series in a couple years. Uh, in, in not a fun way. In many years, too. Yeah. Um, I, I do have to give credit to Pitt in this one. Uh, not just because they won, and I have to say that legally. Uh, but they did... Uh, they, I mean, th- this is a good Pitt team, and I think we did underestimate them a little bit based on what we knew about them in previous years. I mean, this same Pitt team won a series uh, versus Florida State earlier this year, and Florida State was a uh, CWS team two years ago when we actually played a full season. So uh, obviously you can add some caveats, whatever caveats you want to that, but you know, credit where credit's due. But now we also have to take credit where it's due, right? Or, or you know, give discredit, if you will. And um, where do you want to start? Let, I have two places that I want to know, but let's see if you and I overlap here. Um, where we're giving discredit? Sure. Well, our pitching can't hit the broad side of a barn, and our fielding, like Luke Waddell, they say he's a Golden Spikes preseason finalist. He looks like he's wearing the spikes on his hand at, at shortstop, so... Okay, I was I was giving you the opportunity to hedge and be a little nicer than I was going to be. Dude, usually I'm the nice guy. It's my turn, you know? Okay, uh, fine. I'll be good cop this time. Uh, to put it mildly, the it, they have the a similar problem to softball where the defense is just not there. It's not up to the quality that we expect. And I think the, the standard that we expect from the baseball program is actually is, is pretty high. Um, and the, I mean, the pitching has been pretty disappointing, especially with the, with the arrival of Burrell a couple of years ago, who was, you know, who, who we sort of heralded as a, as a pitching genius. And I don't think we've sort of seen the fruit of that. I think that maybe some of that is still baking, still ripening. If you want to keep the fruit metaphor going, 
Um, on the on the flip side, uh, talking about the defense, like you mentioned, there are a lot of uncharacteristic like defensive mistakes, a lot of just uh, misplayed balls in the outfield, a lot of balls just running under gloves in the infield, and, and I think another point that we talked about in the writers' room is this team does not seem to be shifting against opponents, and and that's one of the reasons why that pit meltdown happened, I think, is because you had the infield and it's a normal configuration and they just were not moving around to match up with hitters and avoid getting bloop singled and bloop doubled and grounder over into shallow left all over the place. And that that's really why that game got as bad as it got, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it's a lot of... It was a lot of dink and dunk, but at the same time, there was a lot of uh, a lot of power that Pitt showed, and 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 when they're hitting you left, right, and center, there's not a lot that you can, I guess, do other than pitch better. Like that, that's really your only option, right? Yeah, and I mean, we had a rash of walks and hit batters, and just like an inability to throw first pitch strikes and it all came to roost in one series. Yep. I would agree. That's a fair assessment in my opinion. You can't give up nine runs in the, in the top of the ninth. Like you can't. That, that's just not how you can't win games and do stuff like that. There. Um, this is a, a paraphrase I like to make, but, um, the, the the thing that separates the wheat from the chaff in college baseball is walks and errors, and, and good teams don't walk a lot of guys and they don't make a lot of avoidable mistakes. Tech has not been that clean in in this series, and it's been a pattern. I think we we've talked about it in the last couple of series where it just hasn't come back to bite them. They've been able to hit their way out of it because the other teams have not been able to hit as well. Yep. Um, and, and Pitt was able to take advantage and really run up the score in a couple of these games. Yep, I would agree. <sighs> okay, we, we need to move on and talk about happier stuff before I, uh, before I start losing brain cells. Um, quick note on women's basketball. Selection Monday is tomorrow. Uh, we may do a tournament or like a seating show, quick one, tomorrow. We haven't really ironed that out yet. Uh, but if you're if you hear it, you hear it. Uh, their current projection is a five seed in South Carolina's region. They would start off in the first round versus Central Michigan, uh, and then their second round matchup, if they advance, would be the winner of Indiana and Wright State. Give me your sort of very quick thought on how that shakes out. Um, let's see. I think. Hmm. I don't want to say that I expect us to be lower than Charlie Cream's uh, latest projections because I, I believe I believe that this team, when it plays together, plays well. Sweet sixteen, sweet sixteen team for sure. Uh, but the team that we've seen down the stretch is not quite that. Um, mm-hmm. I I I don't really believe we've earned a top five seed, six seven, yeah. But but a, f- a five would somewhat shock me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't 
know the you know the way that bracketology works and we're going to talk about that in just a minute here with men's basketball but i don't know i think uh, i'm i'm just going to repeat what you said with regards to the way that they played recently it's they just kind of swooned those last couple games those last couple weeks and obviously they gave nc state a good run for their money in that acc semifinal but where I and but where is their current form, right? Is it it's definitely somewhere in the middle of taking NC State to the uh to the absolute last last 30 seconds versus um losing to Boston College, but where is it? And I think that's sort of what we need to, like that first game. The first like ten minutes of that first game are really going to sort of iron out where that is and what they'll do. Obviously, it's must win, so obviously it kind of tells you what they'll do and how well they'll do in the tournament. But still, yeah. Um, again, survive in advance. All that matters is they're going to be there. True. And uh, speaking of just being there for the first time since 2010 the men's basketball program is now in the ace era in the ncaa tournament they have been in the acc tournament and they also won the acc tournament by the way no asterisks will be tolerated um yeah i don't know what to do about these emotions I was going to say, this should be the happiest podcast we've ever done, right? It should. It really should. And yet we're just sitting here upset about the seating that they got. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was I was pretty upset about that, too. So Okay. We should I probably actually talk about what seed they got before we, we, we criticize it. So, like we said, ACC champions, they get an auto bid. Uh, they matched up as the number eight seed in Illinois' region, uh, and they will play number nine, Loyola Chicago, who you may remember from the Sister Jean memes and their 2018 Final Four run as an 11 seed. That's the important part. Um, yeah. Uh, tell me why this is not a good matchup. Um, the Loyola matchup? Well, yes. this is almost certainly a much better team than they had uh, three years ago. So, wow, that was three years ago already. Whew. Um, no, the this Loyola team is is and was, for good reasons, a top 25 team all year. Yep. They can rebound. They have size. Uh, it's going to be probably a plotting game where we're going to have to match up with them. It's like how we match up with a Florida State. Mm-hmm. You, we are going to have to cause chaos. We're going to have to throw them off their rhythm and play a brand of basketball that they have not seen yet this year because Georgia Tech's brand of basketball is rather unsettling even to the teams that we've already played twice. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's um, a uh, it's a defense or, or a scheme that they have to prepare an extra week for and that the conference yes. gives them extra time to prepare for? Um, I, and well, the Missouri Valley has been done for an extra week, but they're only finding out who they're playing right now. So, um, it, it's a tough draw 
I, I really just wanted to shoehorn. I'm, I, you know what joke I was trying to shoehorn. I know what you were trying to do. So, so does everybody listening to this podcast. If you don't, he's making triple option jokes. Um, Paul, Way go to coach spell Ken. it out. Um, anyways, I, for the life of me, I don't think they could have made a personally more frustrating bracket draw for Jake Tyler Grant. Oh, but it's funny. It's funny to everyone else. I mean, Lo- Loyola, for, for those of you who don't know, who do not know me as a person, Loyola is a school which my family has deep roots to. The first person to graduate from my college in my, uh, from a college in my family um, went to Loyola. Um, that would be my grandfather, uh, at least as far as I know. <laughs> He's the first. But, um, and then Illinois, obviously. Um, Long roots there as a Illinois boy um, grew up uh, first came to college basketball fan maturity in 05 uh, when they made their run and ultimately lost to UNC. So, yes, it's tough. Um, Loyola, great team. Uh, Missouri Valley was very worthy of having two bids this year. I think that for all of Coach Josh Pastner's uh, well wishes in saying that 11 ACC teams deserve to be in the tournament, I believe believe he believes that deep down. But I think the – and even listening to CBS, this is where I get on my little mid-major soapbox, um, the power of the A-10, the power of – the Missouri Valley as conferences and the importance of mid-major basketball being good. I mean, I I don't think you can, I don't think you can understate that. I I think the Missouri Valley is a quality league. Loyola will match up well. They've been tested in a not bad league. Uh, And then Illinois after them, I mean, I assume they'll beat the 16 seed because I personally believe they're the best team in the country right now. So uh, it's tough. It's, it's, it's a very tough draw for any team, uh, but for this to be our team, uh, especially seeing Clemson uh, on the seven line and Florida State far above us, a team that on the four, right. um, like yeah, I, I wasn't expecting a four seed, but seven, yeah, I, I think this team deserved better than what they got. Yeah, just the sort of. Uh... Color more inside the lines here. Uh, Loyal Chicago is a top 10 team per Ken Pomeroy's rankings, his advanced stats. Um, They are the 30th overall seed per the selection committee, while Tech is the 34th overall seed. Just to round out some of the other rankings, they were ranked 10th in the NCAA net rankings, and they were, like like Jake mentioned, they were 18th in the AP poll. So, how does the ninth overall team, uh, according to Ken Palm, get a nine seed? Is well, I question. think the more important thing to look at is the net because that is what the NCAA tore apart RPI for uh, and replaced it with just a few years ago only to basically prove through what they did today that it means absolutely nothing by putting uh, Michigan State and and. I love Wichita State. I have a soft spot for them. But them and Michigan State being in the tournament over St. Louis, over, Lord help me for saying this, Louisville, uh, Colorado State, is unacceptable. And it shows just how much of this is convoluted nonsense. Because you're telling me, based on 
based on what they show us, that the numbers do not matter. Loyola deserved a three seed. Loyola deserved a four seed, and that would have even still probably been a snub, quite frankly. Uh, it, it does come with a caveat that I'm not sure that Loyola played a non-conference game. I did take a look at their schedule, and I didn't see one. And they also played a lot of these teams uh, in the Missouri Valley a couple of times. I, I assume there was some sort of pod thing going on there. Yeah. But again, caveats, like I, I can offer caveats, but once you go to the advanced stats and the opponent-adjusted stats, adjusted stats, you can kind of see that, like, the didn't play nobody logic of, you know, typical college sports rankings does not, it falls apart. Yeah. I mean, they, let's go back through their losses. So, played Drake. They only have two team. of them, I think. And they have four, um, four of them. They lost to Drake in the regular season. Drake, Drake is a tournament team and should be a tournament team. Um, Played Bradley Cliffs twice. Uh, Northern Iowa, good program on a down year. Yeah, really down year. Um, beat North Texas out of conference. Um, beat two D2 teams out of conference. Uh, lost to Richmond in a tight one. Uh, Richmond was a um, bubbly team for a while there. And lost to Wisconsin uh, in their only major matchup that they got in. Um, which is a shame. I feel like COVID has decimated or accelerated the process of mid-major versus high-major crossover, and even mid-major versus low-major crossover play, uh, even more than we were already seeing uh, in the last round of realignment. Um, But this is not the podcast where we can lament about Loyola not getting good opportunities to play ACC teams uh, because we need to kick their teeth in, in in five days or six days. Yeah, so that game will be on Friday. Uh, there is no time or TV schedule or any sort of stuff uh, released just yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to, how to feel about this. Oh, I, like, awful. <laughs> like you said, I think this is this. You know, this was supposed to be really happy podcast, and had we recorded this, like, oh, I don't know, like three hours ago, it might might have been like an absolutely ecstatic one. Oh yeah, and then we watched the selection show. I mean it. It sounds really bizarre to say that somebody in Indianapolis or somewhere has a bias against Georgia Tech, especially especially when you see something like, "Hey, our women's tennis team got the benefit of the doubt uh, two years ago in, in making in the making that tournament. Our golf team gets the benefit of the doubt. I feel sometimes in our seating, our baseball team." Probably was not the third best team in the country the year we were nationally the third. Uh, oh yeah, that one was that that was a a, a mind boggling shock in in all the best of ways. But um, question mark, happy question mark, but question mark nonetheless. Oh yeah, for sure. But when it comes to men's basketball and, and football, but uh, I mean that's we're, we're not diving into the bowl dilemma right now. But you know, there's. Only so many, so many times that you can say, "Hey, why do you, why why is this the way it is?" And I feel like Georgia Tech, um, more often than most, is left asking those questions. And, and the same could be said about the sanctions uh, against this program. Which, oh boy, Josh Pastner choosing to take the uh, postseason ban 
instead of this year, last year, in a year that they didn't even finish the ACC tournament, let alone start the NC2A tournament. Amazing. I mean, that's, amazing. that's the most brilliant move I've seen all day, <laughs> all year, all decade. galaxy brain foresight that, honestly, one of the best <laughs> administrative decisions that I have seen from this program in quite a while. That is also, I was gonna say we're we're gonna go full full hog on the uh, the idea that's been percolating in my head. This right now is a Josh Pastner appreciation podcast because that man is very clearly loved, cherished by his players. Uh, you can you can question his his scheme sometimes, but his defenses fantastic, his development and his staff amazing, and that dude. I mean, listen to him talk. He's so earnest and genuine. Seems like the nicest guy that you could you could possibly have. I don't see how anybody could could I guess rain on his parade right now. He he deserves every every bit of this and I think far more credit than even this podcast or this site has given him over the last five years. I mean, I think we've ragged on him. I mean, we ragged on him at the beginning of the season, right? Because they opened the season with losses to State and Mercer and validly ragged on him. I still think it was valid at the time. Yeah, but uh, we got I, I think, again, credit where credit is due, right? Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. Uh, I especially uh, encourage people to go listen to Josh Pastner's voicemail. Um, that is an incredible 45-second long adventure in uh, humility and, I don't know, graciousness? He, yeah. it's it, He still feels like the new kid he's on the block. He's such a goober. He's yeah. such he's such a goober. And it, it, like, fine. He, like b- basketball savant, he is not necessarily. But he did win an ACC title. Caveat asterisks is whatever. Put caveats what, on my happiness, sir. No, I'm saying we can we can throw those out. We can ignore those. I I don't I don't necessarily like. I bought the T-shirt. I'm gonna I'm gonna freaking wear it. Like, I don't care about your asterisks. It's not going to be on my T-shirt, so whatever. He, he did it, is, is what I'm saying, is what I'm taking a lot of words to say. He, he did what he set out to do at the beginning of the season, win an ACC title. Now comes the next step, winning games in the NCAA tournament. And right now, he's, a, he's an underdog, right? He's an underdog yet again with his team coming off an eight-game win streak in which they also won an eight in a conference tournament, no one on in the national media is really talking about Tech's chances in this game versus Loyola Chicago. And they're kind of assuming that Illinois is going to roll roll through their game versus Drexel, and then that, that second-round matchup with them and Loyola Chicago is going to be a barn burner. But what if it's Georgia Tech in that second round matchup? It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't matter the what amount, the result is. Then the amount that I wish that I did not have to be rooting against the Illinois Loyola matchup in the second round, like that would that would be much, much that would be much must watch TV. But I'd rather scream and cry and you know, <laughs> whatever than than that happen now. And, and I think that's. That's a shame to take away a fascinating matchup like that, at least from from a very personal angle on this. I I, I don't know, man. 
I I literally don't think that this could have. I, I can't get over how it affects me personally, and I'm sorry about that. Like I would really <laughs> be more unbiased about that. But, All right, let's let's oh. take the heat off you. Let's uh, let you evaluate your uh, personal situation uh and consider it you have until friday so uh i mean we already know which way i have to root i i sure hope you do i'm just in mourning for what could have been you know i mean i sure hope you know which team to root for otherwise i'm gonna have to find a new (laughs) co-host yeah i'm gonna have to find a new basketball jersey too if that's the case but um well, if we've been we've been ranting about seating for at least twenty minutes at this point. Any any last minute uh, things? Any last minute notes? Six more wins. Six more wins. Hey, they said they weren't coming home till August. Till August. Wow, really botched this one. They said they weren't coming home until uh, until April. Yeah, wow. hearing uh, West Durham mention that. Oh yeah, you guys are on spring break this week, anyways. To Moses Wright, I about cried. <laughs> Oh, boy. We don't have to get into that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you again very, very soon.